Welcome to Mad Map, where Mark and Denzel make a podcast. We are your hosts, Mark Andre Alexander and Denzel Jobson. And this is where two young, beautiful Black North American men discuss relationships, identity, success, happiness, and much more. So let's begin. Hello, hello, D Money, my man. How you doing? Prime time, prime time. I'm well. I'm well. How are you doing today? I'm good. Beautiful day. Excited to hear you on uh, a lot of this uh, material that we have today. It's our second episode on this series called Are You Lying to Yourself? The first one was about jobs, career, and today we're going to talk about relationships. You know, so are you lying to yourself when it comes to relationships? We'll really focus on romantic relationships. Romance. Ce soir. I'm not French. I don't speak Creole, but you know, I learned that one from Lil Wayne. Um, that's a throwback, baby. So oh, re- relationships and really what put this idea in the minds of Mark and I is we recently watched a stand-up special called Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, it's by the Scottish comedian Daniel Schloss. And he's become really famous basically as a anti-love doctor, depending on how you how you define love. He uh, posts his stand-up special. Apparently, he's been attributed to 120,000 breakups, over 350 canceled engagements, and over 300 divorces. Just keep all this in mind. If you, if you have that special someone in your life, maybe before you go watch Jigsaw or listen to this episode, maybe you should do that separately. So a little- yeah, just, just know that he's, he's, a, he's a homewrecker. Or maybe not. That's what we're going to talk about. Or, exactly. Or maybe not. Just to give a quick overview um, and not ruin anything, because I know some of you are probably going to go listen or watch Jigsaw. Daniel Schloss gives the analogy of a Jigsaw puzzle. We've all probably done one of these puzzles before where he basically says your life is a puzzle and, and you have these four corners. Imagine them. You've got friends, family, jobs, and then hobbies and interests. Those are the four corners of the puzzle. And the the centerpiece where we really sort of focus is that partnership, romantic relationship. And this is where people spend a lot of their time. Now, the, the centerpiece and the four parts, they're constantly moving around. Some parts are more stable than others. Some parts are bigger than others. But keeping in mind for many people, the center of your relationship is what holds things together. And really what Daniel talks about is so much of life is trying to figure out the what is your jigsaw? What is the image of your jigsaw? But here's the challenge in life. We have all the pieces of the puzzle, but we don't have the box. We don't have the image. We don't know okay. what the what the completed puzzle is supposed to look like. So yeah, yeah. our job is figuring out how these pieces go together and building toward that final image. And a lot of what he focuses on is that there's just a lot of pressure we put on ourselves from a societal perspective, family perspective, parental perspective, individual perspective. We put a ton of pressure on ourselves to get it perfect. And to get it perfect the first time and to get it perfect early on, especially when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. And he really pauses people to reflect and question 
what is your jigsaw and are you building toward maybe a jigsaw that you don't actually really want? Yeah, exactly. And so you know that that's, that's really what it is. First of all, it was, I really enjoyed it. Also a different type of, of comedy special where you laugh, but it's so focused into, it really makes you think a lot about relationships, you know, yourself in past relationships or your current one, or maybe the future one too. The idea of, of this analogy of the jigsaw puzzle for him, he believes that a lot of people, like you said, Denzel, just really try to jam, you know, some pieces in that jigsaw, even though it doesn't fit just so they don't feel alone or so they just can complete that jigsaw. They'll find the wrong piece, really jam in that relationship corner and, and that's it. And so for him, he's, he says it's um, jigsaw, the, the comedy special is a love letter to single people. The premise is basically if you're unhappy, just, just don't wait, you know, don't wait to make a change, do it now. If you know, this is not what you want, stop lying to yourself, stop lying to the other person you're with and, and Joe, go chase that, that, that happiness and, and stop, get out of your, uh, that misery. And so that's why you focus on that love letter to, you know, on how being single is okay because society, and we'll talk about this society enforces a lot of ideals upon us and how success and happiness involves someone else and, and being able to break that down. Yeah. Society and your family, your parents are going to tell you things, but it's okay to be single if you're still trying to find yourself, answer some questions, it's better that than being with, with the wrong person. I had a question for you. I wanted to know, is there something that you remember from Jigsaw that really stuck with you? Just want to say, like you said, it's an incredible special. You, you yeah. walk away and, and you're laughing, but then you're crying. You know? <laughs> a couple things, man, just the, the statistics again, right? Of all mm -hmm. the breakups, the canceled engagements, the divorces, not, you know, not celebrating those things, but I think it really sort of makes me think about how many of us probably end up in situations that we maybe don't want to be in. And yeah. maybe we know that deep down, but we were afraid of being alone. Mm -hmm. And just kind of makes me wonder that that fear of loneliness, how deep it goes and what other aspects of my life it might enter. And Daniel, he, he had a really good point in the special where he sort of described, even when two people are together, yeah. they can be building toward different jigsaws. Like even two exactly. people in a relationship can have very different ideas of their futures together. And he sort of says, so many people are more in love with the idea of mm -hmm. love or the, the fantasy that they've created of their perfect partnership. Exactly. Then they are in love with the idea of building toward a future together with that person. Yeah. Right. Focusing on like love as this kind of abstract concept rather than just focusing on the person that's in front of them. Mm -hmm. And to me, honestly, it just made me wonder at like what level can most people probably work together? You know, like we tell mm -hmm. ourselves, oh, like my partner has to have this list of things. The They've got to be this, the laundry list. They got to be this, yeah. that. And is that part of the, like the trap? Is that part of the puzzle? And really, uh, is it more simple than that? And most people can probably work with most people, but you just need to really build together and kind of lose all the fantasies. Yeah. He basically says, Hey, I'm saying all this, but I'm a romantic, you know, I could literally tomorrow could find someone who's great and fall in love with her. It's not like, he's just not, he's not shitting on relationships. He's just doesn't want people to be in bad relationships. You know, he's really, he, he's really an advocate for you to find <laughs> true love, you know, and happiness. And for me, it's funny because sometimes you hear that and you see the record, like he's been destroying relationships, but probably for the best. 
But I think an idea that I really like is the idea of feeling complete, or at least when you're by yourself, when you're single, it's you're not incomplete. Like relationship is, isn't about completion and, and being able to be whole and finally have that puzzle that, that is complete and, and you're done. I like to think about it as a complement to your life. It's like a spice, regardless of the person who's in your life. That's good, but it's just a spice that adds more taste to it or maybe makes it more bland depending on who the person is. But regardless of the spice, the meal is still going to happen. You're still going to be able to have the core ingredients, which can be obviously yourself and who you are, like what your hobbies are, your you know family, your whatever it is. And, and so to me, that's how I see it. And so I think that's how Daniel sees it as well. You shouldn't feel like a relationship is going to complete you. It Usually, you should see it as a, a way to complement to your life. You know, that question can come up of, well, how do you know when, when you're unhappy? How do you know when you're, you're with the wrong person? This is a tough question. I think in society as well, sometimes when you think that <laughs> love at, at first sight is how love happens, for sure you can be very... Um, let's say disappointed, because that's not what it was. That's not how it is for a lot of people. I think for me, I was interested initially to my girlfriend, but it really is the the getting to know each other over time, getting to see different aspects of her personality, us vibing. And through my relationship with her, I discovered new things I didn't even know I liked in someone else. You know, I want to say that we both were somewhat mature people who I'd say were fairly, you know, whole. Everybody has insecurities. That's fine. And you will bring them in your, in your relationship. But um, I think we're mature enough to communicate and talk about that. But us not depending so much on the other and really, to me, seeing my girlfriend as a compliment to my life, a spice that adds to, to my life and not someone that will completely not my other half that, you know, now I'm finally whole. I was only 50 percent. Now she's she brings the other 50. I think that not having that mentality was super helpful in being happy and feeling like I'm with a really good person. And, and Mark, how long have you all been together now? Yeah, no, it's been four years and it's been, it's been a good, very good learning. It hasn't been always easy. I think a lot of conversations, tough conversations had to happen, but I think it's the key, right? For me, at least communicating your boundaries, your interests, your goals, what you want in life, what kind of lifestyle you want. Like there's a lot of things that needs to be talked about, but yeah, four years. And, and it's been a really good experience. It's been a great uh, time and I'm really happy. Uh, I'm really happy. That's, yeah. that's beautiful, man. I mean, I mean, since you're the guinea pig here and, and, I'm single. I'm the hopeless romantic. I'll meet somebody, fly out to LA, profess my love. You know, so that's so we're not gonna talk about me. Chasing love, bro. Yeah, you and Alex. Alex is Mark's girlfriend. You've mentioned that yeah, everybody's gonna bring insecurities into a relationship. You're gonna have to communicate about different things. A lot of what we hear in Jigsaw is listening to yourself, knowing when you're happy, knowing what makes you happy, yeah, knowing yeah. that you and your partner have to build this jigsaw together. How do you and Alex make sure that like you're building together and do, do you have tension points? It's a good question. Let me say this. I think we recently started to build our the jigsaw. I think for the a long time, we each had our own jigsaws and we just fit well together. I think now we're starting to actually have a common jigsaw where we're both putting the pieces and working together. That part of building something together is fairly recent. Because obviously there's a bit of a vetting process where you just, you know, you want to make sure that person is, is good for you. You have, and again, it's not about having similar interests and being, you know, similar in every way, but actually, you know, when it comes to lifestyle, you know, money, kids or not, no kids, or there's a lot of things that over time you'll learn about the other person when it checks the box for you, then you can go on that common jigsaw and maybe start building things together. So I feel like it's, that's how it's it's been going for 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 my girlfriend and I. For you as a single man, free agent, 
you know, how do you kind of work on yourself while you're, you know, single? How do you work on your jigsaw right now? So when you will meet your partner, then you'll, you'll be ready to maybe work on that common jigsaw or maybe, you know, build something with that other person. So how do you prepare or work on yourself to feel like you're, to feel like you, you can, you know, achieve your full self and then be able to, to find the next person uh, who's going to complement your life? It's tough. I think you said a, a lot of big things like achieving my full self. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's tough because a lot of times people who are single or the advice to single people is when you're single, focus on yourself and focus on like how to be whole on your own, focus on addressing your insecurities. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's a bit of like a chicken and an egg because it's do you address all your insecurities? Do you figure out what you want and what you need out of life? And then you date? Does one have to come before the other? Yeah. Or can you figure out some of those things with and in relationship to someone? Yeah. And I like the example you gave of you and Alex. You, you were compatible, but you had separate jigsaws. And it took a little bit of time for those to come together. And so I think what I, what I take away from, from your story, Mark, and also from the, the special is you've got to have some core things figured out. Thinking about the jigsaw as a single person, you have to know at some level what your boundaries are in life. Thinking about, again, the four corners, jobs, family, friends, interests, yeah. hobbies. What are some of the things that ground you? Like, for example, my family is in New York. My life is in New York, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I've always held is I'm probably not going to leave New York. It really doesn't, even though I might want to and be really tempted to, maybe it's not in the best interest for me to date someone who is like halfway on the other side of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Or on the other side of the country. So I, I think maybe the work of being single when you're thinking about a relationship is really identifying uh, as my as my therapist always says, like, what are, what are your boundaries? Like, mm -hmm. what are the things that just, uh, you can't compromise on, we might say non-negotiables, but I think sometimes we think of non-negotiables as like really superficial things like, yeah, oh, yeah. my girl has to be bad. She's got to be like a, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. she's got to be, a, she's got to have, blah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but whereas like your non-negotiables are probably like more about you mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, the person you date is like a reflection of yourself. And so you might say something like, oh, I want someone who's loyal or who's ambitious. If chances are, if, if you're that way and you're exuding that in your own life, you're probably going to end up being around those people anyway. For me, like as a single person, I think a lot about what are those boundaries for me? What are, what are my emotional needs? Because we all have them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And needing to be able to communicate that to somebody so that we can get on the same page about like what we would build and also like understanding what that might be for the other person. And just like recognizing that things are going to change. And like Daniel says, like you can't change other people. So understand like when you're dating, that person is like presenting themselves as they are. And so if, if there are things where you're like, oh, this just doesn't work from a personality or, co or compatibility perspective. I think sometimes when you're single, you convince yourself oh, nah, like this person will change or they'll, yeah. they'll come around. Like, you know, I've definitely gone on dates and I'm, I'm someone who says that I want kids and I've gone on dates with, and, a, and a woman will say, I don't want kids. And the back of my mind, I'm like, that's because she hadn't, you know, she hasn't she, she she had no time had, around she, me yet. You know, doesn't know the money yet. You don't that's want right. a Denzel Jr., maybe Denzel the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh mm, running around. You know Jesus. what I mean? But that's the problem, right? I think that's a big part for me. But yeah. I, I, yeah. but I have to say, because again, just to go back on the idea of full self, 
it's obviously the full self is a moving target. There's no like, okay, this is a clear idea, like image of where I want to be. I mean, obviously you have like, you know, stepping stones and milestones to reach something, but it's always moving. It's, you know, once you reach that, then you have a higher level. So in general, heading to the, in the right direction when it comes to, you know, spiritually, um, romantically, um, job life, you know, career-wise, like I, there's obviously different angles to it, um, but feeling like you are doing the right things to get, to go from step A, a to B, I'd say like this is uh, the process of becoming your full self. But I guess you brought up the idea of, can you, the chicken and the egg, can you work on, do you have to work on yourself first? Yeah, and, and while we're on that, I'll also answer, how do you achieve your full self? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. I, I, that's why I learned with with Alex is that coming into the relationship, you know, I think I, I was who I was and back then, um, had my insecurities, had some things I wanted to do. And then, but then realized I grew a lot while I was in that relationship. So obviously I think it is healthy to grow and, and change within that relationship. It's not you, you're going to become like, you just hold, like, you know, your whole perfect, you know who you are for sure. And then you, then after that, you can date someone that I don't think it works like that, but at least having worked on some of the things, at least knowing your insecurities, what is tougher on you. If you're like emotionally, you know, codependent, then you know, okay, well, this is something I, the tendency I have. So I know the next relationship, I got to be careful with this and that you're not going to come in perfect in a relationship and ready to get married and everything. But I have to say, definitely, I grew a lot during that relationship while I'm in it right now, I'm still growing and changing and, and adjusting. And like, it's the never ending race again, like moving target. I think that's what achieving the full self. And that's the thing, too. you know, having your boundaries when you know what you want to do and what you won't do, it sets up the, the boundaries, obviously, and the limits. And so it's easier to, to play within that. And after that, you just kind of learn as you go, you, you'll obviously there's some things, deal breakers, as you get to know that other person, you're like, Oh, okay, this is uh, getting on my nerve. And it's, uh, it's tough for me to get over it. Well, that person over time, if it, you don't see a, a, a change, well, it, maybe it's better depending on how big of, of an issue it is. Maybe you should not be with that, be with, with that person and find someone else. Maybe we're, we're simplifying the issue because I'm sure there's a lot of levels to it. And it's not that easy to just say, oh, she doesn't have this or that. I'm going to go and, and find someone else. But definitely don't force yourself to be in an in issue. How do you know when you're unhappy? Mm-hmm. How do you know when you should walk away from a relationship? Because we're talking about everyone's going to grow. Everyone's going to change. Like it's a moving target. Everyone's going to have to recalibrate. And so at some level, Maybe there is a piece of you wait and you wait on your partner to grow and to change or to recalibrate. Maybe you don't. How do you know when, okay, yeah, I, I am unhappy and this is something that I, I should change? I like to think that I'm a fairly introspective person. And I think it's so important for anybody to sometimes just check in with yourself. And I guess we're talking about relationships. So at times I find myself just like asking myself, so how's it going with how the Mark, like I'm talking to myself in the third person, how, how are you feeling right now with, uh, in this relationship? How's it going? I just like check, not because I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about, about my girlfriend anymore. I, I don't like, but it's just asking yourself, how's it going? Like having these regular check-ins and, and introspection in terms of oh, something happened. I, I felt like this and why, and just like sometimes deconstructing events that are going on in your life, that helps, at least internally. But then communicating, communication is, is the th- name of the game, at least for me. Because once, again, once you do that work of knowing what you want, or at least knowing what you don't like, what is bothering you, it's easier than to probably communicate after that to the person. Then after that, well, you can work on it together and hopefully the person can change or, or not if that person doesn't want to, and that's fine. And then it makes it easier maybe for you to exit or for both of you to find a new path. 
personally, it's always been a issue I've had in relationships in the past. I've heard it before where I don't seem to communicate enough. I don't seem interested enough at times, a little kind of not out of it, but just not there enough at times. And so it's been a challenge just to just communicate the idea of communication. It forces me to ask myself these questions so then I, and I can tell her how I feel. So it's been a, a good exercise for me. You can't communicate something until you've like articulated it and had that conversation with yourself first. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's Jay-Z, I think in one of his songs, he says, you, you heal what you reveal. So I think it's, that's where it starts. And that's, that will help you to identify if you're happy, if you're not, why are your insecurities come into play? I'd say that that's about it. I mean, how about you? What would you, what would you say on that? You, you keep throwing a lot on a single guy here, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the track record for the listeners out here, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to pose questions. I, I guess what I think about is how do you know when you might be unhappy? Mm-hmm. I guess what that makes me wonder is like, what makes you happy? You know what I mean? Like, like I think if yeah. someone said to me right now, Denzel, what makes you happy? I, I would actually freeze. Girl, I thought you were asking me the question right now and had to answer on the spot. I was, I was, I was getting hot. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, I don't I, know. like, no one's asked me that. I don't think that's something we ask in this mm-hmm. life. And, and I don't think it's something we ask ourselves. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. on one hand, you can focus on the things that make you unhappy, but kind of just made me wonder like what what makes me happy and yeah. and am I chasing after those things and you know last week we talked about jobs exactly. and just generally in the world we see and hear people talk about jobs so often yeah. and I think what I think about so much is you hear people say 30 more years to retirement 20 more years like you know no one leaves work well, let me not say no one but I don't think most people leave work clock out and they're like can't wait to do that again tomorrow tomorrow can't you know, wait some do, but not most of us. No. And I'm not saying work should be more than that, but work is just this thing where you're like, you're there to get something done. And as soon as you can leave and retire, like people do it sometimes earlier. Yeah. I just sort of feel like a relationship shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And so sometimes just wonder like, are, are you waiting for something in your relationship? Like, are you waiting for something to happen? And you've just been counting down the time or counting down mm-hmm. the years, like, that might be a sign of unhappiness because isn't happiness just something as simple as just like a state of being, or it's maybe not necessarily things that make you happy, but just a state of general bliss or being content. And so really just the question that I sort of sit with is what does and what would make me happy? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back to like, what are, what are my needs of someone else? And as you exactly. said, articulating and communicating that with ourselves but then also being able to communicate that with someone else. And you brought up a good point in that it took you and Alex to get to a point where you were able to communicate with each other well, because you had different styles of communication. Mm -hmm. And and we have to remember that everyone's different. Everyone thinks differently. Everyone acts differently. And so if each person that you're with, they'll communicate one way, you'll communicate another way. And you actually have to do the work to to make sure you're understanding each other the important thing to understand is that there's a definite difference and it applies to, to the job conversation that, that we had earlier. There's a difference between what you, what you want and what you need, you know? And I think when you find happiness, like when you when we talk about happiness, it's about the, what you need, what is like important for you, for yourself. Cause then the world can really tell you, Oh yeah, you should have a girl who looks like this, or she does that, or a guy who does this. And you know, people have laundry lists and of, they have like checklists of, okay, he has to, he needs to be, okay, six, at least six foot tall and then this making a hundred K and then that and that. And then like, okay, that's good. But is that part of what's going to bring you happiness? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe some of it, maybe all of it, maybe none of it, who knows, but it's really important to 
identify the kind of get through the clutter of like, okay, what do I really find important in someone in terms of values, in terms of looks, even in, you know, in terms of whatever it is, but that, and then you know that you're not lying to yourself, having all this, all these expectations about someone. This is the first step, right? To, to allow you to understand, okay, well, I'm looking for someone, or at least when I'm, when I'm with someone, I know that she or he has those things that are super important to me. And that brings me happiness because I know that person has these values or these things going on. And then the rest is like icing on the cake. How do we prevent ourselves from entering and or being in bad relationships? Hmm. Right. And it sounds like there's a few things I'm hearing. It sounds like the biggest thing is, is expectations. And you mentioned that like laundry lists, right? Yeah, so yeah. we ourselves can create these expectations of what we think that quote unquote perfect partnership is, create that fantasy. There's also a lot of external pressures in society that tells sure. us you should be married by X age, married to this kind of person, this kind of family, kids by Y age, et cetera, et cetera. Then of course, insecurities, yeah. whether it's childhood trauma, things that happen in your life, whatever it might be, these things are valid, but you might have these insecurities about who you are and who you think you should be. And then for a lot of people, a relationship is about filling a void or a relationship actually is about reflecting some of those past traumas or reliving some of those things. Yeah. Because, you know, oftentimes they say that the, the love you, the love you search for is, is the love you grew up with, something like that. And, <laughs> okay. um, and so sometimes you need to unpack some of those things. I think probably like the biggest thing is believing in a fantasy that we've created our own mm-hmm. on our own rather than co-creating. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I, I love this is going to be maybe so cliche here, but I love the quote. Uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. That can be so beautifully like attributed to a relationship is uh, are you are you co-creating? And, and when you're when you're not co-creating, when you're um, like loving from a place of insecurity, you're trying to fill a void when you're like when you have all these like preconceptions and all these like expectations that are unrealistic those are probably some of the big things that might lead you into a a relationship that doesn't serve you or the other person Mm -hmm. and ultimately doesn't help you complete your jigsaw there's many reasons why people end up in bad relationships like you said obviously expectations i mean (laughs) i have my parents right now i love them but they maybe they do it on purpose maybe they know but obviously they are starting to put pressure on myself like slightly a little bit you know every day about like, okay, well, in terms of jobs, where are you at? Um, are you sure? Like, you know, you want to do this? Maybe you should do that. Um, okay, well, relationship-wise, you know, is she a good person? Because, you know, you, you want to have kids, right? You want to, you know, have kids and have a house. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And then, so they're putting this on my shoulders. There's so many things, external pressures around you. And then, like you said, there's also internal pressures. You have some insecurities. You want to feel like something that you feel you're missing, a void. And a lot of, and you said it earlier too. Sometimes people fall in love with the idea of love. It's tempting. It looks, you know, I mean, it looks so nice. You look, you know, you, you go to, you go to weddings, um, you know, the vows and, and you watch all these movies and the rom-coms and, and it, it, it looks so perfect and so pretty and, and so just, just nice, just great. And I can see how easy it is to fall for that, but it's like pornography. Sometimes it's all fake. You know, it's, it's a performance at times. And you forget that not all the time, obviously some people really truly love each other, but obviously people try to sell you a product, which is love. The next question for me would be, well, how do you prevent that from happening? I think it starts, 
like I said earlier with introspection, I think you often believe that people know deeply, they know what they want and what they need, but they just quiet it down. They just don't trust their guts, their instincts at times. So listening to yourself, being honest with yourself, it's hard to go wrong when you, when you do that. Investing yourself and working, just trying to make sure you have, you establish what you want out of life. And they can be really simple things and you work towards them. But definitely trusting your guts, instinct, listening to your instincts. I feel like it's the first step to to that because that helps you to maybe shut down or shut shut out the noise, the outside noise a little bit. So, but it's not easy. It's really not easy. Yeah, de- definitely not. And I like the, the list of like the things we can do to prevent ourselves from ending up in these situations. I think what I would also add is one of my bosses at, at work and she's divorced and mm. we, she was like talking to a group of us about relationships and she asked a question to, you know, we were young out of college, like 21, 22, 23. And she asked us, she said, well, I'm divorced. So do you all think that I am a failure when it comes to relationships? Oh, asked verbatim. And really, I think what she was trying to make us do was kind of ask ourselves the question is, if a relationship ends, have you failed? Mm -hmm. Have, Have you failed in life? Have you wasted your time? Well, the answer is yes, right? <laughs> right. That's what life tells us. Her first marriage ended. Now she's in a been in a long-term relationship with someone else, mm-hmm. her long-term boyfriend, and she's and they're both incredibly happy. If we were talking about sports right now, we would say, oh man, every time you fail or lose a race or lose a competition, it's fuel to get better. You learn about what to work on. You learn a little bit more about your body and how far your body can go. You learn a little bit more about like the best way you can succeed. And I think it's an interesting analogy here. And she basically pushed us to consider if you consider that if a relationship ends and that's failure, mm-hmm. then you're, you're constantly going to inhibit yourself and keep yourself from like stepping into something that that like could be beautiful. Yeah, you have to do work beforehand and you shouldn't just jump into things. But at the end of the day, nothing you've experienced is necessarily like a waste of time. It can be easy to think of it that way. But like, are you listening to yourself, as you said, Mark, and are you learning from those experiences and like applying them as as you move forward? Right. And I think the challenge is, you know, why don't we listen to ourselves? Because there's a much louder voice out there. And that's like the voice of pressure, whether it's external or, or internal, like fear, pressure, insecurity, doubt. So often, like that voice is like way louder than the voice inside our own minds and hearts. And it's yeah, like, yeah. how do you listen to yourself? And, and not only that, but it also shows you, you know, for, like you said, a divorce for a lot of people would look like it's a failure because that's how it's, it's shown. It's like, oh, you were not able to sustain and, and keep that loving relationship intact. So you fail at that. But no, it's, it's I think, we, like you said, like, I think we have to recalibrate how we see failure, but also... You really have to understand that sometimes you just can't control everything. You can't control other people, how they feel towards you. You might be with someone and love that person. I mean, look, probably shouldn't use the example of, of Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. I don't know what happened between them, but I'm sure that's at a point they loved each other. And then 30 years later, things have changed. People change and mm-hmm. something that you can't control and, and it's not working anymore. Would that be them divorcing? Would, would I see that as a failure? I don't know. If you tell me that they're happier now and they're at, at peace and I would, I'd say, no, it's not a failure. They had a great thing going on. They learned a ton from it. They're, I'm assuming, better people from that. And now they'll keep growing in different ways. But definitely recalibrating the idea of, of failure and understand you cannot control everything. You can't control people, how they feel towards you. And you have to accept that. You can only control what is within your range. And once you accept that, I think it helps a ton in terms of that pressure. 100%. There are a lot of things we don't know. Mm-hmm. But one thing we do know, we are all going to die someday. Oh, and, and it sounds dark, but that is like, 
as Barack used to say, there are three things that are true. You got to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. You're going to die. And Michelle will never run for office. Right. (laughs) I never heard that one. That's we are going to die someday. And we don't know when. I think we kind of have this assumption of, oh, I'm going to live to like an average life expectancy, whether it's like Mm 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. But like we we don't know when. And, And for many of us, we may be the like, quote unquote, gone too soon tragedy. Like he was so young, she was so young. And this is as real as it gonna get. I'm afraid of so much planning for the long-term, yeah, like yeah. planning for and living for the like vision of how you want things to be in the end, that you lose track of what's going on in the moment. You lose track of like who you have around you in the moment and really just cultivating your own happiness and your whole full self in the moment. Cause we've all seen it, we've all heard it elderly people or people who are terminally ill reflect on their life and it's never the like i wish i'd worked more you know what i mean if anything it's i wish i'd worked less and that at least in my life i've had family members like pass away at the kind of quote unquote young too soon particularly like 40s 50s and the one thing they always said i wish i'd made this relationship work i wish i'd like tried harder in this I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. I, sp- I wish I wish I wouldn't have beefed well, with my sibling for see, 10 years. Exactly. Like, you know like see what, yeah. what you're saying here. I think they're voicing a lot of regrets, right? Yeah. Things that they had done differently or done more or less of, even though it's really grim, the idea that you will for sure die one day. We don't know when. No one knows when. That's a big joke about life, you know? You live, mm-hmm. you're born to this world, but you don't know when it's, when it's going to end. So that knowing that, trying to pursue a life where you find what brings you happiness and also try to minimize the regrets. Again, it's impossible to, <laughs> to never regret anything in your life. It's impossible because you, you learn from this, but definitely trying to minimize them. And because, I mean, again, we bring out the idea of li- are you lying to yourself? If you keep lying to yourself when it comes to relationships, jobs, whatever, obviously that will bring a lot of regrets and you most likely won't be happy when you're 90 years old and you talk about your past, right? So Definitely, if you get to 90. If you get to 90, exactly. Try to, to, to live, a, not a simple life, but try to understand what you want. Ask yourself these questions. You might not have all the answers. You might have some of the blueprint, at least know where to, to, where to go. And I think if you lead with like the idea of not wanting to regret too many things, make sure you do things for yourself first. I think it's going to be a, it's, it's a good path to take. I 100% agree. And and the wise words of many people have said this, but I'm going to go with Nas. Death is easy. Living is a hard part. Yeah. And I like all these, these rap references today. We're, we're on point with that today. But, yeah. Um, yeah, man, I love it. Yeah, it's the a New money. Yorker in me, so I had to do it. Uh, that's true. That is true. The money was a pleasure. To all our listeners, thank you so much and uh, have a good day. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mad Map, where Mark and Denzel made a podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified when new episodes are posted. And please don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. We want to hear from y'all. So feel free to shoot us an email or you can always follow us on IG. So catch you guys on the next episode.